Father God, we thank you so much for today, and we just thank you for the opportunity to come into this place and and hear about you, to get to know your character and to know how much you deeply care about us and your people and how faithful you are to your promises. Lord, we pray um, just for Meredith as she comes to teach that her words would be yours and that you would give her um, just peace as she teaches us all. God, we thank you for this time, and we thank you for your word. I say all this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Can you all hear me? Yeah, there I am. There I am. Hey, really quick, one last quick announcement. Um, On the table when you guys leave, our hospitality team has put together a sweet fall treat for you. So make sure as you leave, you'll see this darling setup. You really can't miss them. Grab one on your way out, okay? So um, anyway, I'm Meredith Hall, and I am beyond thrilled to be up here teaching with you this morning. You can pray for me right now. I've got butterflies going on strong right now. Like They're like, we're here. We love you, Meredith. You know, all that good stuff. But I am really, really blessed to be up here talking to you today. Um, did you love your first two chapters of Exodus? Did you learn anything new? I mean, this is a pretty well-known book, right? I mean, we all know Moses and um, Prince of Egypt and the Red Sea. It's, it's very, very well-known. Um, so as we dive in and see what God has for us through his living and active word, I hope as you leave here that you have a completely different and new understanding of this book, the book of Exodus. I love the Old Testament. I love what God is revealing to us through Moses and through many people. It is a rich book. It's a true story. It's given to us and it's filled with symbolism and history. And it is actually the gospel of the Old Testament. I love that. It's the gospel of the Old Testament. It is an audiovisual picture of what God will eventually do in the New Testament through his son, Jesus Christ. I was so thrilled about Exodus, but I'll be honest with you. I was like, there is so much material in chapter one and two. Where do I land? There's so much to choose from. And so I started praying and asking God to just tell me, what do these women need to hear? And then I started asking other people to pray for me. (laughs) What do you need to hear? What do these women need to hear? And I felt like one thing stood out, one neat thing And that was how God used women to bring about the deliverer for his nation of Israel. You see, God reveals himself in these two chapters, loving, faithful, and gracious to these women. And these women, they faithfully seek him and they obey him. That's the heart of our study today. Women, you, the women that he shows us from long ago, And it will apply to you, each one of you this morning. So before we get to the meat of that, I didn't want to miss out on some of the really rich history that God shows us and how he got his people to this place of persecution and enslavement. So I want to back up. Let's go all the way back to Genesis. In Genesis 3, we see that God has this sweet relationship with his people. But because of their disobedience, the entrance of sin comes upon them. And there is a separation. There is a division. But then right away in chapter 3, we see that God will provide. He has a plan right away 
and it will come through a, a savior, through the seed of a woman, specifically a woman. And he says that, and Satan's there, and he hears that. And from that point on, we see that Satan's purpose is to destroy that seed. So this Savior, he is going to be revealed to us in God's plan. And as Genesis unfolds, we meet a man that is chosen purely by God's grace, a pagan man, and his name is Abraham. He is chosen by God. God calls him and equips him to bring back his perfect plan of salvation. It is through Abraham that God raises up many nations, but it is only through one nation. God chooses one nation to bring about his ultimate gift of grace through Jesus Christ, his son. Now, he would only come through the nation of Israel, and so God makes a covenant with Abraham. So now we've gone from Genesis 3, and we're going to move into Genesis 12 and 13. Here is where God promises Abraham land, seed, and blessing. You're kind of wondering, what what does that mean? I've never studied Genesis. That is not a problem. What God does with Abraham is he says, nothing that you've done, by nothing you've done, I'm going to give you this promise. And he takes him and he points him to the south and the north and the east and the west. And he says, all this is yours. All this land is yours. And then what he says is, I'm going to take you and I'm going to multiply all your descendants so they outnumber the grains of sand on this earth. Can you imagine? And then lastly, he says, and I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make your name a blessing throughout history and to the ends of time. And that's exactly what Abraham still is. He is the father of a great nation. And everyone remembers him. But then we see in Genesis 15 something a little disturbing. God appears to Abraham in a vision. And we'll, we'll read through Genesis 15 verses 12 and 14 in the slide. Um, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And if you want to follow me in your uh, Bibles, you can. It's Genesis 15, 12, and 14, but please don't feel like you have to go there. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. The Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners or strangers in the land that is not theirs. They will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. So that's what we're going to see in Exodus. So Abraham has been given this vision, and now we're going to fast forward, and we're going to see that he has a son Isaac, and then his grandson Jacob, who is now called Israel, and then Do you remember Jacob? He had the 12 sons of Israel, the ones that would be the tribes of Israel. Well, one of those was Joseph. Do you remember Joseph, the guy with the tons of colors and his brothers were all jealous and so they sold him into slavery? Well, where does Joseph end up? He ends up in Egypt. By no coincidence, Joseph ends up in Egypt. And not only that, he wins the favor of Pharaoh right there and becomes his right-hand man. And Jacob... And all his brothers, he brings them from Canaan, which is now a land of famine, to Egypt. And here in Egypt, God blesses them. He uses Egypt to bless his people. We see a people of 70 multiply and multiply and multiply. God's promise 
right there. And then what do we have? Now we're coming to Exodus and there is silence. Awkward, isn't it? Can you imagine? That was like 15 seconds of silence. This was like two to 300 years of silence. By the time of the Exodus, it had been 400 years. To the nation, the Hebrew nation, God was silent. You know, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, he was appearing in dreams. He was revealing himself physically and verbally to these people. And then all of a sudden, nothing. And they felt it. And it was heavy on them. But guys, God wasn't silent. He was absolutely faithful to love and guide his people. Because what do we believe? That God is always at work. Joseph, he's gone. All of his brothers, they're gone. The Pharaoh that had favor on them, he's gone. And here we have a new Pharaoh. A Pharaoh that doesn't know who Joseph is. Or better yet, chooses not to know who Joseph is or the God that he served. You see, Joseph was a mighty man. He brought God to the nation of Egypt. And this Pharaoh was choosing to disregard him. God had promised to Abraham that he would build up the nation of um, Israel. And so when they were in Egypt, they went from 70 to 2 million. 2 million! God wasn't silent. He was faithful to his blessing and his promise through the seed, through his promise to Abraham. I want you to take a minute. I looked up the, um, from the census website. Do you know that Dallas proper, not Plano Richardson, but Dallas alone as of 2013 is 1,200,000 people. I think about that. That's Dallas. These were 2 million, 2 million people. God is faithful. But what do we see? Pharaoh, Pharaoh is scared. He looks around and fear overtakes him. Satan's lies creep in and he is fearful of what he sees around him. He's fearful that this nation will raise up and take over Egypt and he's not going to let that happen. So here we have Pharaoh devise a plan to annihilate the Hebrew people. Pharaoh acts out in fear. Fear. We see that. That's a common word. Did y'all see that in your, in your scripture this week in chapters one and two? Pharaoh is fearful of the people and the people are fearful of the Egyptians that are bringing persecution on them. But we see another way that fear is used. We see that the women fear God. Those are two different things. You see the way Pharaoh feared Pretty tongue, tongue twister there. The way Pharaoh feared, the other word for that would be to abhor, to dread, right? It also means to loathe. The word for fear in reference to a fear of the Lord, that means in awe and respect. You see, God moves us to act in our faith because we respect and are in awe of who he is. And we know that he is bigger than our situation. But Pharaoh didn't know that, did he? So he becomes 
a man of fear very quickly. He represents Satan in our script. And his first act of power is to enslave the Hebrew people. What's the purpose of enslaving them? It was to oppress them mind, body, soul, and spirit. And it did just that. Except, what does it say? They continued to multiply. Pharaoh did not thwart the plans of God. God was still faithful. Then we see him use, go into, he decides to go into the Hebrew households. The first one, pretty obvious. He uses people to oppress them physically, and then he's going to go into their homes. And what's he going to do? He's going to use two women and all of the midwives. This is where we see our women. This is where we hear about our first two women that God chooses to bring about the deliver of the Hebrews. What are the names of these two women? Well, Shipra, which means pleasing, and Pua, which means splendid. Now, I will, I'll tell you, I was talking to my boys and I was giving them this, this teaching and I have three sons. And the minute I said the word Pua, <laughs> that is exactly what they did. Right? I mean, Pua. What? I mean, fortunately, that is not, that is a Hebrew word. That is a Hebrew name. That is not, they're not, they don't hear that all the time, but it was pretty funny to see them all dissolve into giggles about the name Pua. You know, they ran with that one pretty good. Um, But in all seriousness, um, the meaning of their names is exactly what they were to God. They were pleasing and splendid. Oh, isn't that sweet? Here he is using these women Pharaoh was subtly and shrewdly killing the babies as they were being born. It was a way that the women would be like, oh no, he was stillborn. Oh no, it was subtle. It was deceitful. Isn't that how Satan works? Absolutely. But these two women defied Pharaoh because their faith was greater in God than their fear was of man. Think about that, ladies, right now. Their faith in God was greater than their fear of men. And that's really the message that I want to bring to you today. You see, when they did that, the consequence would have been death. That is, that is something to be scared about, right? So I want you to see what God's grace does for them when they choose to obey the Lord. Verses 20 and 21 in chapter 1 says, So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. You see, the midwives of this day, the majority of them did not have husbands and families of their own. So this was a huge blessing of God. The fear of the Lord and the faith that moves mountains is rewarded sweetly by our amazing God in surprising and sweet ways. Well, that didn't work either. (laughs) They just kept coming. Those babies kept coming. The, the midwives were part of stopping the killing of these baby boys. And so Pharaoh says, I am done. I am done with this and I'm ready to get rid of them and I'm not going to be subtle anymore. I'm going to be bold and I'm going to be mean and I'm going to be in their faces. And this time I will take those baby boys and I will throw them into the Nile River. Whatever it takes, get rid of them. Ladies, I was saying this last night to my sons. And I felt God impress something on my heart. It was pretty amazing. You see, the Nile River, that was a a God to the people of Egypt. Do you know what God it was? 
the god of fertility. Pharaoh was taking these baby boys and throwing them and sacrificing them to their god of fertility. I had never thought about that. That was just amazing. You see, Pharaoh, the pawn of Satan, his plan was to destroy the sons of God, but Satan's plan is to destroy the son of God himself. I just want to say that one more time. Pharaoh's plan, who was a pawn of Satan, is to destroy the sons of God. But Satan's plan was to destroy the son of God himself. And then we have Moses' mom. Our third woman, Jochebed, or Jochebed, however you choose to say it. Do you know what her name means? Glorious one. Isn't that sweet? Another just sweet name. Can you imagine? I mean, it was a blessing for your belly to be filled with life. She was feeling that baby move. She was excited about this new life that would be a sibling to Miriam. But when she heard this command of Pharaoh, I bet she and Amram's hearts fell. She started hearing her friends crying out because their babies were being thrown into the Nile. She was fearful herself. And I bet you anything they prayed, Lord, please, please let this baby be a girl. Please let this baby be a girl. Baby boys, revered, cherished, that's who was going to rise up. That's who Pharaoh feared. See, I knew it would catch me. He was not about to let some Hebrew child rise up and take his nation. But even greater, Satan was not going to let a baby boy rise up and defeat sin and restore our relationship back to God. He wasn't going to let it happen. You see, the faith of Jochebed, because of her awe and respect of God, she refused to obey the powers of man, and she sought to obey the God she loved, the God of Abraham. On Hebrews 11.23, we see that by faith, by faith, Abraham, uh, Moses was hidden for three months. Ladies, can you imagine? I look at our sweet babies in the back. I think about being a mom myself, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I have to hide this baby for three months? But she did it. She probably nursed that baby 24 hours a day. She was up all night for three months, right? But then she couldn't hide him anymore. Her heart probably fell every time she went to work on that, base, that little baby basket. And I bet she prayed over and over again as she placed Moses, whose name wasn't Moses yet, by the way. I bet when she placed her baby in that um, basket, she just prayed, Lord, please, please deliver him. Please rescue him. She was a woman of faith. And so I want to ask you guys, what is faith? There's so many definitions of that out there. Faith in this, faith in that, trust in this, trust in that. So ladies, what does scripture define as our faith? It says in Hebrews 1.1, that's where we define faith, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. If we go back a slide, we see that in Hebrews 11.26 at the bottom, that Moses didn't fear 
Pharaoh, when he left Egypt, what did he do? He persevered because of things that were invisible, because of what was invisible. The conviction of things not seen. So ladies, this is a this has been a tough text in one area, and I didn't want to pass up the, a moment to address it. As I read, and as I kind of investigated a little bit more um, about how Jacobed and the midwives lied, I found that people were like, hey, they didn't act in faith. They lied. They didn't trust God, right? Did y'all come across that? Did y'all think about that in your study? I hadn't. Because you know what? I would have done the same thing. I would have protected my baby. I would have lied to the Supreme Court or to whoever. And so take a minute and think about that. God adhors. He, he says lying is an abomination to him. But I want to bring history to the forefront of today, to our minds. You see, this summer, a group of people produced videos. They lied. They misrepresented themselves. They said, we want to know how much we can pay you for your fetal parts. We're a fetal parts company. They lied. They went to Planned Parenthood and they lied. And they revealed to the world what was actually going on. That these babies were being murdered and sold for their parts. Not just inside the womb, but outside the womb. How about another example? John Piper brought this to my attention. What about the Nazis that were killing off the Jews? Here's another ruler like Pharaoh who was raised up and dominated and passed laws that all Jews were to be put in concentration camps or killed. There are many people that hid them and they lied. Again, I am not saying it says all through scripture that we are not to lie and we are not to be deceitful but we are supposed to obey God above men. Life is precious to God. Women, we are put in circumstances every day. It may not be rare like hiding the Jewish people from the Nazis would be, but what I want to ask you is, are you choosing to obey God or man? What situations are you in right now that you're having to decide that exact question. Are you submitting to your husbands? I've struggled with that. Right now, one of my biggest situations is daily struggling with a teenager in the house. Can I hear an amen? Or what about moms that are up all night with their babies? Do you struggle with postpartum? Or maybe you're in a situation where God hasn't honored you with a husband. Or maybe he hasn't given you children. Or maybe you are worried about these unborn babies that are being sold. And you're just not sure what to do about it. Well, I want you to be encouraged by these women. These women of scripture. They were chosen by God and when he called them, they obeyed. So I beg of you to ask yourself right now, are you living a life of faith or are you living a life of fear? You see, faith moves us to action and prayer and fear keeps us in bondage. Faith keeps our eyes up, focused on who Jesus is 
And fear keeps our eyes looking out and about. Just like Pharaoh did. Fear focuses, fear, faith focuses on who God is, but fear keeps us focused on what we're not. Faith focuses on who we are in Christ, where fear keeps us worried and fearful of what others think of us. I don't know if y'all attend Watermark or if you were at, at church on Sunday, but our pastor, Blake Holmes, brought an amazing, amazing teaching uh, message about the lies we believe. And it was awesome. So if you have a chance this week, go online and listen to it. But what I heard from him about the lies that people believe, I realized they're all based on fear. So what I did is I texted about 20 women in all stages of life. And I said, what do you fear on a daily basis? And I want to read to you some of those responses. Fear of losing loved ones. Fear that I can't handle the challenges of life. Fear of not measuring up as a mom or that I'm not enough. That my children won't trust Christ. That my husband will get tired of me and fall out of love with me. Fear that God won't even give me a husband. Fear that God will not bless me with children. Fear of the unknown. Fear of not being competent enough. Fear that I don't look like her. Fear of saying the wrong thing. Fear that my cancer will kill me and take me away from my children. Some of those ring bells, don't they? Strike a nerve, don't they? They do with me. What are your fears? What is God showing you through these women? He wants to show you that you are enough because he created you in his image. He wants to show you that his timing is perfect as you wait on a husband and a family. He wants to show you that your children are a gift to the Lord. Do what Hannah did and every day give them over to the Lord because guess what? He loves them more than you do. And is he showing you to be an example to your husband of unconditional love, praying for him daily, and having God show you how to be his helper? Ladies, is he calling you to step out in faith and stand in the gap of unborn babies who are being murdered every day, just like Pua and Shapora and Jochebed did? Ladies, let your fear of man turn into a healthy fear of the Lord, a fear that will move you to act in faith and prayer and trust in God because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. You're a child of God and he loves you and he adores you. Don't miss that about this time that we have. Well, I don't want to forget a very important woman. We don't know very much about her. She wasn't a woman of faith. She did not fear God, but God uses her mightily to provide and bring about the deliverer of the world. You see, that little basket carrying that precious cargo did not just by happenstance float into Pharaoh's daughter's bathing area. No, his hand was on that basket. But I couldn't help but think, what was Miriam doing while she watched that basket? I bet her eyes got this big when it floated right into where Pharaoh's daughter was. I wonder if she thought, oh my goodness, 
Is she going to throw him into the Nile again, but this time without the basket? Is she going to take that baby to her dad and he'll just kill him, her, kill him himself? But what did Pharaoh's daughter do? We read in, chapter, in verse 6 that as she opened the basket and heard him crying, what happened? She had compassion on him. That's pretty amazing. God wasn't silent, was he? He's always working in the most surprising and sweet ways. You know, this part is pretty amazing. Do you know that history books show that all of a sudden there was a stop in when the babies were thrown into the Nile? All of a sudden it stopped? I can't help but wonder if Pharaoh thought, well, my daughter just adopted a baby Hebrew baby boy and he, she's thwarted my plans. I can't continue to do this. I can't throw Hebrew babies into the Nile if my daughter has adopted one and called him the prince of Egypt. God is faithful. He uses the most amazing things to bring about his plans, even the daughter of the Pharaoh that hated the Hebrew nation. So over the last couple of months, I have been very reflective on the woman that have impacted my life, that have guided me, and shown me who Jesus is. One of the reasons I've been um, particularly reflective is because God took one of them to be with him three weeks ago yesterday. This is a picture of my grandmother. Excuse me. This is my Mima. And she was such a sweet woman of faith. Do you know my, probably one of my favorite memories of her is I would go to the door of her room and like, you know, the crack of dawn, she was still wanting to sleep probably. And she would hold open her covers and I'd just come run in and get beside her. And I wouldn't go to sleep, but what I, what I looked at on her bedside table was a black King James Version Bible with the, with the gold writing on the top and the frayed edges because every day she just spent time in God's word. She was a loving and beautiful woman and I always felt so secure with her love. A few more of these women that have played a pretty important part. Um, one is my mom. That's me. And that's my mom serving me my birthday cake when I was like, what, seven? Um, you know, my mom came in town this weekend and she's a woman that has studied the word extensively. And I owe my heart for Jesus to her passion and love for him. And she prayed with me this weekend about Exodus. And she just listened to what God was teaching me. And of course, she, she gave me some pointers because she too is a teacher. Man, that, that was just, it was a really sweet weekend with her. And that was her mom that passed away a few weeks ago. But God has also given me three sisters. And he's given me, a, there, there they are. And then he, I love them. They live all over. And then he's also given me just a really faithful group of community. Women in my community group, and then additional women that I guess I could call my second community group, right? Ladies, these women have cried with me and laughed with me and hugged me, but what they've done more than anything is they have faithfully pointed me back to Jesus because they know my fears and they know where I struggle. I want to ask you, do you have women like this in your life? Maybe it's not a mom or a grandmother. Maybe you don't have anyone in your life. But I want to pray 
that you find someone. Start praying now that God will bring you a sweet group of women that will faithfully point you back to who Jesus is. He wants that for you. He desires that for you. It might be the lady sitting next to you right now in that chair or in your small group. Today I want to close with a song so you can have some personal time to reflect on your faith and your fear on the women in your life, on what you need to bring to the Lord. And so we're going to listen to that song and we're going to just quietly reflect. And when it's over, if y'all will just go to your rooms, okay? But I want to leave on this note. The heart of what we want you to know here at Watermark and what we want to show you is that God loves you, women. Just like Shapora and Pua and Jacobed, he thinks you are glorious. He thinks you are splendid and you are pleasing to him. You are women of God. He sent Moses to deliver people from bondage, but you know what? He sent the Savior, Jesus Christ, to deliver you from bondage. If you don't know that, Jesus, if you are unsure that you are a child of God and God is tugging at your heartstrings, when that song is over, will you just stay in your seat? We have women that want to talk to you and pray with you. We want to know your heart. But even more so, Jesus wants to know your heart. So we're just going to be quiet. We're going to dim the lights. And we're just going to reflect on this song. But basically what that song says is, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. So we're just going to close right now. Again, um, if you want to stay in your seats and wait for everyone to leave, we would love to pray with you. So let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much that your word stands alone. It doesn't need any song to make it known. Lord, I confess right now that a lot of times I am a slave to fear. I do let lies cripple me. And so I just want to make it known right now, Lord, that I believe who you are. I believe that you are the God who loves me, that you created me in your image, that I am your child. Lord, let me live my life believing that. I pray for each woman here today that whatever their fears are, that they are able to listen to your truth, your promises that you've got it, that nothing the world throws at them can shake them. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word that you give us daily, the living and active word. Let it penetrate our fears. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who loves us, died on the cross and saved us, from eternal separation from you. In Jesus' name, amen.